Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello and welcome to the pod. I'm super excited to have you guys on today because you finally get to hear another voice besides my own. And don't get me wrong, I love the sound of my voice and and telling you guys stories, but this podcast is truly all about sharing the stories of others. And I am so, so excited to to really get into that and to to bring you your first story today. So with me, I have my dear friend, Jamie Ray, who I'm just so, so pumped to have on because we were actually talking before the call and we had a very bromance moment where we were, we were professing our love for each other. <laughs> Um, Jamie, super excited to have you on. I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself in the way that you want to. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Ben, thank you so much, brother. Um, has it been 18 months when we first got, like we first met or kind of came in contact online? I feel like it's close to it, right? I think, I think it was end of 2018. Yeah. So I, I yeah, like I can't believe it's been that long. And, um, like, I love how we were having, I love having vulnerable conversations with men. It's fun, There's, isn't it? It's 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 kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like whoa, like like this is kind of a whole new frontier here, where it's kind of like you're a little bit nervous and you feel vulnerable, but it's really freeing and liberating, and you feel super connected. And like the more I've kind of begun to, you know, like you were my, as I said before, you're like my first real friend, like my first friend in my soul pod. Mm-hmm. You know, you were the first person kind of as I transitioned between an old life and a new life, old self and new self. You're kind of my first new, like first real friend that I met in transition. And it's been really great to be able to have these vulnerable conversations. And as you say, to be seen for who we really are. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm again, to reiterate what we talked about before the podcast, I'm so grateful that we came into one another's lives and we became friends and we're part of each other's soul pod now. Thanks so much, man. No, yeah, I definitely buddy. appreciate it and and feel the exact same way. Like you said, it's it is really interesting to to have a, a deep connection with a male, and that's really put into perspective. I realize that I've never had a truly deep bond with with a a guy before in a way that I felt like really capable of having any conversation and sharing the deepest parts of, you know, my, my hopes, my dreams, that kind of thing. Uh, just, I always had some level of shame or concern or right. something around what I wanted to share. And, uh, it's, you know, it's not to say I haven't had good male friends over the years, but the, the depth wasn't truly there. And so that's, that's something that, you know, you've kind of like, uh, been there for me and, and allowed Scratch me that to, itch a little bit. <laughs> to, to learn about. So yeah, so, yeah definitely. I, Appreciate it. I think it's so important that we have men that we can, you know, rely on and have those conversations with and feel supported and ultimately kind of like learn what it really means to be a man. And I think that contributes so much more um, to our relationships in a healthy way. And um, I guess to kind of now introduce myself, because I never introduced myself. So for everyone everyone listening, I am Jamie Ray. As Ben, I think, said, the Jamie Ray. If there's any, if there's any other Jamie Rays, like they're not fucking real, you know? But so I'm a dating relationship and life coach, I guess would be the best way to explain it. I'm also a screenwriter um, and comedy writer and filmmaker. And kind of my journey is I do a lot of work with people 
who are underfunctioners and underfunctioners that are trying to step into their competent power and become what I like to call optimal functioners. And so an underfunctioner would be someone who struggles with the core wound of incompetency, struggles with codependency, um, struggles with enmeshment in their family system, um, you know, struggles to be able to really, really, truly commit to themselves, stay disciplined. You know, fear has been, been a big sabotager. And so that's kind of the work I'm kind of stepping into now is, is working with underfunctioners to step, in, step into optimal functioning, which is essentially my story. And yeah, so I've been in kind of the coaching space for, you know, a couple of years now. And I kind of got my start as a writer. Um, in 2012, I had a blog called the bro log, which was basically like a maxim for men or like a Cosmo for men where we talked about kind of sex and all these things and, you know, relationship advice. And so that was my kind of entryway into, I guess, relational education, which is a lot of the work I do now. And I did that for a little while and then got into kind of comedy writing and then my real growth journey really began, um, I guess, the end of 2015. I had a really traumatic breakup experience, and I went to therapy to kind of process that relationship. And I basically, without even knowing what it was at the time, I got introduced to shadow work, which was essentially like looking at what aspects of myself contributed to this dynamic in the relationship that was toxic, that was dysfunctional. And so the end of 2015 is when I kind of, you know, I had been writing about relationships, but doing maybe so more on like a surface level. And then after this really traumatic breakup experience, as I look back on it now, that was essentially when my awakening started. And, you know, at that point I was like, am I going to continue writing about relationships? I felt so much shame at the time because I was dealing with this on the back end of my life this real disastrous relationship. And I basically was wondering, is this kind of a call for me to go deeper into the work that I was doing? Or was it a call for me to kind of change my path entirely? And thankfully, it ended up being a call to go deeper, to be more honest, to be more truthful about the work I was creating, to look at aspects of myself and begin doing the relational work that I now bring clients through. And you know, as I've kind of gone on that journey, you know, I'm, I kind of have that inner comedian to kind of fully kind of sum up who I am. I really like to bring um, a sense of humor, tongue in cheek, um, coarse humor, a lot of butthole jokes. I'm, re I'm real fascinated with buttholes because <laughs> I, I believe that but I believe that awakenings begin in your butthole. I believe that's where it all begins. That's like, you know, it starts you you titillate the, the root chakra and it begins there. <laughs> and so I'm always trying to bring a sense of humor to the healing journey. Um, you know, it's sacred work that we're doing, but I, but I want to bring an element of lightness, an element of let's have fun and let's expand our tolerance for play and pleasure at the same time. But I guess that kind of encapsulates who I am, you know, comedian at heart, but also, you know, really deeply committed to, to my own healing journey and, and kind of looking at my stuff. Love it, man. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> even the, you know, even the butthole part, you know, we're just, we're just getting <laughs> know, real. We're just getting real on here, right, right away. <laughs> you love the butthole stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has got to do it. Okay. Um, so I'm curious. So you have kind of this, this transformational journey this awakening and you're doing the work right now that you feel very connected with. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit more about that, that period where you're really going through the shit, right? Like with, with the relationship, the, you know, which led to the awakening. Can you give a little bit of detail and, and as much as you're comfortable with about how things were? Because I think you and I both know, you know, from the, <laughs> on the other side, looking, looking back in, we know how much of the growth comes from the pain and the struggle. Right. So right. if you can share a little bit about what that looked like. Yeah. So for me, it was, I mean, I've had a few, but it was rock bottom. It was rock bottom and I was not my best self in that relationship that kind of catalyzed the whole thing. I was uh, emotionally abusive. Um, you know, I was not super respectful in a lot of ways in my partner. I, I just was not my best self in that relationship because I stayed in that relationship well past the time that I should have. My intuition was speaking loudly to me and then eventually the universe conspired and, and, and 
kind of stepped in when I basically was ignoring the call, the, the, the truth in my heart. And, you know, coming out of that relationship, I was dealing with a lot of psychological distress where, honestly, there was a lot of shame about how I behaved in that relationship. I was really worried of like, you know, what she was saying about me. Again, I was not my best self. So I was like worried about my reputation. And it was basically this whole idea of really being in a low place and questioning everything, questioning if I was even a good person. And so it was this real combination of emotional distress, psychological distress. Um, I was living across the country at, at the time. So I moved back home across the country um, in with my parents for six months and I went through counseling and I went through therapy kind of through that time. And the big thing was when, in terms of how that created the awakening, it was that whole idea was this coming into my field, telling me that what I am, that I am not on the right path. Was this something coming to my field saying that, okay, I should not be writing about relationships or as I had mentioned before, is this something that's come in my field asking me to go deeper, to be more honest? And I was really at this turning point. It was like, do I go down a different road or do I stay pat on this road and go deeper and begin to be more honest and really own the ways that, you know, I was responsible and it was basically taking complete ownership and responsibility for that relationship and then knowing that if I could learn to embrace my shadow and I could embrace the darker aspects of who I was, then no one could hurt me. No matter what anyone said, because I had brought love to those parts of myself and I had learned to embrace and accept those aspects of myself that I felt a lot of shame about. And it was that whole process where I kind of met my edge and I met my shadow and I essentially had to rebuild my life. And J.K. Rowling is that really good quote about rock bottom, that it, something along the lines, like the best avenue to rebuild your life. And so it was this experience of like, I never thought I was this person questioning everything, being at a complete rock bottom and having to rebuild and then being forced to go to journey inward and to really look at some uncomfortable aspects of myself. And then after that, I eventually moved across the country and I eventually down the road had another relationship with a born again Christian woman. And she planted a seed of God in my heart. And as I look back on it now, it makes so much sense because I felt like she did not get too woo woo spiritual, but I feel like God sent her to me. You know, it wasn't one of those relationships that was meant to last forever, but it was meant to continue the transformation because she would say things to me like, you're the most spiritual person that I've ever met who isn't Christian. Mm. And that really began to turn the combination of processing that breakup and doing some of that inner work, meeting this, this woman of God. And it turned this whole, and it basically had me question my life because at the point I was doing a lot of filmmaking and comedy stuff and I still love that stuff. But I was like, is this all there is? And by looking at her faith and her commitment to service and just how giving of a person she was, I realized that I had lived a little bit self-involved, that I was a little bit selfish, that there was kind of a greater service that I was here to provide. And that's when I began to use the pain that I endured to tell my story and, and help other people. I love that. Thanks for sharing all the details. Yeah. Uh, so interesting. And and this is like really what I'm excited to dig into with people. The, exactly the way you just finished that was I used those pains or the, the obstacles to to really turn that around. And how do I use those things to lift myself up? How do I use those things to become the person that I really want to be or need to be? Or at the end of the day, the person that I am and have always been, but for whatever reason, have not been. Yeah, man, Ben, I, I fucking love that, man. And it was honestly, you know, it was this huge unmasking process. But I also feel like any teacher, educator, and coach usually coaches in the area that they've typically had the most trouble with. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was wondering, I was like, why have I gone through all this shit in relationships? And I've had 
so many dysfunctional relationships in my twenties and I'm in a beautifully healthy and loving relationship now. But, you know, I was a mess relationally, you know what I mean? For so long. And it was this aspect where I was, I realized that I was brought all this dysfunction and this pain and this transformational kind of dirt in my life so that I could learn to heal myself in these ways. So I could help other people. I was brought this pain so that I could be with this pain and, and this pain allowed me to tap into deeper aspects of myself to begin to, you know, get on my own process of healing. But ultimately the pain was brought here so that I could have like a greater empathy and compassion for other people. And so I really realized that it was kind of came to me because there was something really great that I was destined for that I kind of needed this pain to kind of begin churning together to create maybe like a deeper level of my own humanity. And with me, there was always, in terms of who I really was, we were talking about this before the podcast, but like, I was always just like deeply soulful, sensitive kid mm-hmm. who would write fucking poetry in his, his little, little cat attic cubby off his bedroom. And I played a lot of sports and, you know, I definitely had a bit of a mask that was the jock. You know what I mean? I learned that I could excel at sports. And then throughout, you know, my later teen years and, you know, the first half of my twenties, I was party boy. <laughs> I was the guy who was this exuberant, like, woo, like, let's fucking go. Like, you know what I mean? Shotgunning beers. And really deep down, it's because there was more sweet, sensitive, soulful man that I wasn't quite confident the world would really, really accept. And all this stuff that was happening in my life with going through that traumatic breakup experience, going through therapy, meeting this woman of God, going through all this rock bottom, it was basically brought into my field for me to begin to unmask and access essentially that boy who I was before the adaptations came, before I felt Mm -hmm. like I had to be Mm -hmm. something other than what I really was to belong with the collective or my peer group or with society in general. And it was like, I don't, you know, I'm curious to hear your experience with this. because I think you have a similar experience, but it was almost like coming back to that pre-pubescent boy who I really always was at my core and my heart and really beginning to live and speak through him. It was, and then that's where the whole coming home, it was coming home to kind of who I was before the masks intervened, mm-hmm. which, you know, I used to, to create a level of belonging. And I was coming home to that boy who was sensitive, who was sweet, who was soulful, who felt things deeply. And I was coming, I was beginning to welcome a safe space for him. And these ruptures on the surface had to happen in order for me to finally begin to peel back the layers. And I'm, I'm curious to hear your experience too as well, Ben, because I know that you have had a similar experience. And Yeah, it's interesting to hear you kind of work it backwards. And, and thank you for doing that because I was definitely going to go go there if you didn't because kind of the process is so telling, right? And in, in hindsight to be able to look at where we came from, you know, what our childhood looked like, especially what our teenage years looked like. And because that's, I mean, that's really the time, like you said, that's, that's kind of when the, the masking happens, right? Because that's when you start worrying about fitting in. That's when social norms start to, you start to be a little bit more aware about those things. And so for me, it's, you know, very similar. I realized quickly that, cause I've always been athletic and I've always enjoyed athletics, but what I think was kind of a, a game changer for me was finding that that made me special. I, I was good, like, and I could be good at something quickly. And so for me, I was essentially, you know, doing a lot of my own work and uh, figuring out in hindsight again, like what that was for me. Right. I really started identifying with that heavily because that's how I found love and acceptance was, was being really good at sports because mm-hmm. people noticed me. I was, I was interesting. I was cool and all those things because I was, I was good at that. But, you know, to, to parallel mirror what you were saying, I, while I thought that was really cool, I think there was 
a part of me that, that that deeper part, right. That was kind of in there. Like I had mentioned before about like the, the locker room stuff was just like, like, yeah, it's, it's great that I'm getting all this love and this recognition and attention for, for doing well in sports. But there's also this part of the persona that I don't fit. But at the time, at the time it was like, okay, well you just kind of like put that away because this is a thing that everybody else wants to see. This is the thing that other people are attracted to. This is what gets you attention. You know, right. this is what makes you likable. And I, you know, I, I'm not saying that was any one person's fault or like, you know, anything like that, but it was right. just over time. That was kind of what ended up pulling me away from that person that I was. And mm just to share the final part of this that I thought of when you were talking and, you know, said you were like interested in my story, but like you were talking about like the, the, the little boy at the beginning of all this, I recently asked my parents, I think it was like two months ago. And I was just like, what was it that I was really good at as a kid mm. and not, not sports, not, you know, not subjects in school, as a human being, what was I good at? Because I was very curious to hear their answer before we started adding on layers, you know, because that's all, it's, it's, it's masks, it's adaptations, it's survival techniques, all these yeah. things. Yes. So that was like a, a question that was really, really interesting that just like popped into my head. And so, yeah, Ben, I, I, I love that, man. And it was like, I can relate to everything you're saying. I felt like a performer in my own life at times. I would not completely, but I partially did feel like a performer in my own life. And, and I know you can relate to this. You know, we're both empathetic. We're both sensitive men. And I always remember younger, like when I was younger, you know, I was great at drama. I was great at English, you know, the theater, the sports, the, the writing, but I was also just so sensitive. I felt so deeply and I really understood people and how people worked. I was really, really intuitive. And I remember like in high school, I, my first counseling, you know, kind of thing was I'd pick up my friends who were going through heartbreak and we'd go on this route. We'd go on this drive and I would hold space for whatever relationship difficulty they were going through. And that would happen all the time. I was kind of known as the guy who was like, I pick you up in my car. It was only my friends. I mean, it wasn't like fucking random strangers at the yeah. being like, I'm fucking heartbroken. Jamie, come pick me up. But it was like my friends and I would hold space for them. And it's so interesting how I've come back to that because I would remember being a teenager, being at parties and kind of being partially there and partially not there because I never quite felt like I fit in because there was, and I think I probably everyone to some degree has this experience, mm -hmm. but I felt like there was this, you know, guy of a lot of sensitive depth, a guy who was really spiritual but I just was never, because I learned there was a part of me that people wanted and a part of me that my friends really learned to revere and love. And I didn't want to disappoint them. And I didn't, you know, I found a way to belong through that. I found a way to be popular, to be mm -hmm. really liked. Mm -hmm. And it's like that whole, it's like, it's like if you're an actor and you make a movie that people love, you know, you want to keep giving them what they want. You know what I mean? Because life is, life is good, but you know, on some level you aren't, fully being authentic. And that was kind of my experience of like always being popular when I was younger, but always never truly feeling like I fit in because I was only bringing partially who I was to the table. And I figured that I wouldn't be able to be accepted if I brought this deeper sensitive. I was like, I, wor I was worried that I'd be boring, that I wouldn't be fun, that I wouldn't be like the exuberant extroverted jokester when really like at the heart there was a little bit more introverted of a sensitive guy. And like the awakening process for me was finally feeling secure and confident enough to boldly bring that guy to the table and take it or leave it. This is who I am. I was tired of the mass. I was like, this is who I am. And I know myself to be, and I'm going to wave it like a fucking marching flag and people can come into my field or people can go away, but I'm going to let the most actualized, pure, authentic version of who I am be the ultimate filter for who's really supposed to be here in my life. Ever since I did that process, like just, there's been a lot of, you know, as we've talked about a lot of friends who've come out of my life and a lot of new, wonderful people like you 
who have come into life into my life i've I've gotten much more on purpose in my career and it's all about allowing yourself to be confused being confused is the best thing because if you're confused it means you're growing and evolving as jeff brown says it means your your consciousness is up leveling it means you're rising to like a greater level of awareness and i really feel like we and when we're dealing with so much confusion what we're do what's happening within us is all those mass disguises all those pillars that we use to create a sense of safety security and belonging in the world are suddenly being taken out from under our feet mm-hmm. and we're swirling and we're chaotic because we don't have those pillars those kind of railings those railings of self to hold on to and what we're really trying to do is create a sense of internal safety by committing to our truth because true belonging is found the ultimate control in life is found when we learn to commit to our truth Mm. that is the thing that will keep us safer than anything it's all an illusion when we want to create you know human beings want to create this sense of safety and security and i mean these things are important but when we just rely on that outside in of like okay i need these things to assume a sense of control when really we have the power internally, like think about it after we have the most honest conversation of our life, how at ease and at peace we feel when we release some deep pent up emotions, we feel this inherent peace in our life. We ultimately feel in control and the confusion is leading us to internal control. Is taking us away from external control, which we relied on, the illusion of safety, into that ultimate internal control where I know amongst the sea of confusion that I can depend and rely on myself. So good, man. So, so good. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I think a lot of people listening to this will hopefully really be able to resonate with that because you really hit it on the head there. The the confusion, the frustration all those feelings that like kind of swirling mm. is exact. I, I just love the way you put it. It's like the, the pillars being pulled out from under us and we are trying to figure out how to ground ourselves again, how to really get rooted. Mm. And hopefully then the, you know, the path is never linear, but you know, you go through something like you mentioned and you actually root down in what is, what is you, you know, what is truly you instead of creating these kind of propped up pillars, you know, prop yourself up on, on things that aren't actually true to you. And, and it's, and it's not easy, but, but when you go through that pain and you're willing to swim through those, (laughs) those nasty, dirty, swim with the sharks. Yeah. Like you can finally come to the surface and, uh, and feel confident. So I want to, I want to mention something here, ask you about, so you have this awakening, you go through these things, you get a little bit of clarity, you learn more about yourself. What did the environment look like in order for you to really flourish and not just kind of fall right back down to the ground? Yeah. And, um, that's a, that's a really, really good question. And, you know, there's a few components that I kind of see to this. For me, the biggest thing was meeting my current partner, Kelsey, who it was like literally the best way to describe it was when I met her, which was like a little over two years, two years ago. We've been together for a year and a half and meeting her was like, she was living in another realm that I, on another planet, on another realm that I was always supposed to live on, but I didn't know it. My soul (laughs) knew it the deeper unconscious parts of me knew it, but it wasn't until I met her that I was consciously aware of it. I was like, Oh, that is where I'm supposed to be. The world you live in. That's where I was always supposed to be. I just finally realized it. It's like I was living on earth. I was meant to live on fucking Mars. I was living on a different planet and I met her the way she embodied her spirituality, I was like, oh my God, that's the spirituality I've been searching for. It's not Christianity. I had to go to that extreme. Your spirituality, she was a relationship coach. And it was basically like 
you know, in the way she had, she had all soul pod connections and she became a lighthouse for me. So I was a ship lost out at sea and she was my lighthouse who helped guide me to the planet that I was always supposed to be on. So that was definitely the biggest thing for me because I was swimming with the sharks. And then I saw that lighthouse in the distance and I, and I, and I rung my fucking foghorn. Like, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm coming, I'm, I'm, I'm coming for Mars. Don't, like, don't leave me. Yeah. Like, like you live on a planet with aliens and I'm an alien who's been living with human beings. And so I met her and it completely changed the game. And then it was this process of anyone who gave resistance to who I really was and the way I was going, I had to distance myself. Mm-hmm. It was either I did, you know, in terms of friendships, it was either friends that, so it was a lot of shedding of a lot of old connections, at least, um, rem, at least distancing myself from old connections. And I really realized that a lot of these primary connections that I had considered as my best friends were no long, you know, I might still be friends with them, but they were no longer going to be my primary tribe. And so I had to set boundaries. I had to like leave group chats. And the most important thing that I can say is I believe what we're being asked to do is learning to embody a new way of being in the world. And we need evidence. Mm -hmm. We need evidence of this new way in the world because we can conceptualize it. But until we understand it almost on a somatic body level it it won't really truly mean anything and i remember like i was talking to kelsey my before she was my partner at the time about spirituality she's like oh you're going through a spiritual awakening i was like what <laughs> i was like these things exist she's like yeah you're definitely going through a spiritual awakening i was like holy fuck everything just makes sense And then for me, it was, I was experiencing all this resistance in Toronto. My apartment had black mold and the fucking floor was literally coming up, was literally coming up. I went through rock bottom with my health, major gut issues, sinus congestion. I was, you know, a freelance writer who was working, you know, odd serving jobs and I was fired from a serving job and I couldn't find another serving job for the fucking life of me. I was like, what is going on? And I was like, so broke. And my floor was coming up from under me. I was eating noodles, like 30 cent noodles. And I was like, what the fuck? And she's like, oh yeah, the universe is speaking to you. <laughs> like, you know, cause I was, I was a salmon swimming upstream. I was facing so much resistance and the universe was bringing me this resistance because I was needing to learn what it meant to live in flow. And it was this decision when I decided to move back to my home city, which I felt so much apprehension and fear about. And it was what I call an ego death mm-hmm. because I was having to move back to my home city with all those old connections. You know, I was going to move away and be this big shot entrepreneurial entrepreneur, this famous writer. I was going to make movies. I was going to make it. You guys live in your ordinary mediocre lives. And I was going to go crush it. And moving back to my home city was like, it felt like me coming back with my tail between my legs and be like, I couldn't do it. So it felt like an ego death. My ego died a little bit, but what was being birthed was something greater than I could have ever imagined. I was learning to walk the path of essence. I was surrendering to something that was trying to live through me. And there was this deeper knowing. And I asked myself this question, which path actually requires more growth? And actually staying on this path with all the resistance was actually easier because it wasn't having to confront going back home and essentially healing what was driving me away in the first place. Healing the part of me that was probably driven by some level of ego who wanted to be this superstar rather than getting back to that deeper essence, Jamie, who was 13 years old writing poetry in his room, who always wanted to truly come into fruition. And I surrendered to that deeper knowing. I did the harder thing. I decided to move home. The universe responded. And I began to get into alignment in a way that I had never experienced. And I now had confirmation of what happens when you trust the little voice that knows, as Jeff Brown says. 
I had evidence and confirmation. Oh, when I surrender and I don't fight, there's this greater sense of ease and flow. There's a different path, the path of swimming with essence in a way, swimming with God, swimming with that life force within you. And that's when everything changed. And so I would say stumbling upon some people that become your lighthouses, removing anything in your life that challenges and brings resistance, or at least putting a boundary in place with anything that gets in the way of you being who you really are. And then we need confirmation of making a choice from a deeper knowing and having confirmation from the universe and from our external environment. This is what happens when you learn to trust yourself. You are given the gift of alignment, of soul resonance connection, of being at peace and just having this deep knowing inside yourself. And you begin to walk the path of essence, which is often requires a really fucking huge ego death. I appreciate you sharing that because I truly believe that ego is so ego is the enemy. Great book by Ryan holiday. It's on my list. Still have yet to read it, but Oh man. So good. One of my favorites. As soon as I read it, my, the first thought I had was every high schooler needs to read this Mm. because, and I think this is only becoming more and more prominent with social media is kind of like connecting with the ego, right. And, and identifying with, the ego. And I think it's a really dangerous place. It's a a place where you can get really fucked up and it's essentially kind of to, you know, to encapsulate what you were saying. It's essentially, I, I feel like the more entrenched and wrapped up in your ego, you are the further, you know, the farther away you are from your, your true self. Right. And Ben, I love you touched on that. And you know, what I, felt like an experience and and I think I did a post on this on my Instagram but if you look at just the world in general think about how many people and I just did a post on this yesterday but how are you actually living a life for you and I mean the essence you so many people are living an unconscious life meaning they inherited a life rather than creating a life from the deepest and truest parts of who they really are and that's why we need to experience an identity crisis to figure out who we actually are to actually get in touch and the ego death is required because think about, you know, how many people choose a career to please the family system. You know, I'm going to do something similar to what my parents did, or I'm going to choose a career so I can have the safety and security and assurance to gain entry into a particular socioeconomic bracket. And think about how, you know, and how many people are in a relationship that's exactly the same as their parents' marriage or as, or as the generational pattern. They're in this dissatisfied relationship, which is the same thing. It's a template they inherited without understanding there's these unconscious things at play where you're essentially trying to live out your childhood fantasy in a relationship, but you're recreating the exact same patterns. And it's this process of, you know, and I kind of see ego a lot of the ways as kind of the survival mechanisms that we build up where maybe we're choosing a career because all we want is mom and dad to say, I'm proud of you. All we want is to be powerful. You know, we want to be in authority. We want to mean something. We want to be special. But guess what? The most special thing about us is our story. (laughs) And we realize when we don't have to be anything more than who we've always been to live our greatest life possible. It's about removing everything in our life that was getting away of that boy who just, boy or girl who just wanted to fit in who felt like they had to put on some sort of mask just to belong. Getting back to that boy or girl before that all happened is the space where your life is going to change. And that is when, you know, the path of awakening really, really, truly happens because we're living a life for us. We're not, and that's where the ripple of transformation happens. And there were so many aspects of my story that I began to feel shame about as I experienced these ego deaths and I did the harder, I went down the harder road, which is, but the harder road is actually more of a path of ease, which is interesting. It seems counterintuitive, mm-hmm. but the more, the, the harder path is, is actually the path where we experience the less resistance, but it's just about the initial discomfort brings actually more comfort because it's more of a state of ease and flow. Um, but it was, 
you know, experiencing that ego death was now I'm living my life for me. I'm not living it to belong with my high school friends. I'm not living it so I could seek approval from my parents. I'm living a life that is what I am here to truly bring the ripple of transformation that I meant to bring. And like the ripple of transformation that we're all meant to bring is by owning our story, by telling our story. And I experienced so much shame about my story. And when I experienced the ego death, I started to tell my story and I realized that my story could change other people's lives. But first I had to use it to change my own. And we use our story to change our own life by speaking it and understanding that our story is the pathway to the greatest life we've ever known. And everything we felt shame about our life, when we can shine a light to that shame, we can stop silencing that shame and we can actually speak it. Then now we change our life completely because everything in our past brings us to our sacred purpose. Everything in our past is what we're here to embody and heal. And so all the areas that I felt shame about, all the ways that I had this toxic shame to myself, then became my work of my ultimate transformation where I could now become the hero of my story. I could become the hero of that 13-year-old boy who wrote poetry. I could live for him. So good. So, so good. Uh, I feel like you just fucking just <laughs> yanked it all down and, and pulled it into one little two-minute monologue there. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> we were just... It was ragdolling a bull there. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, I thank you so much. I mean, that, that really, it perfectly encapsulates the reason that I, I started this podcast and the message that I want to share with people. So thank you so, so much. I've got a couple, couple last questions for you here as course, we buddy. wrap up. The one right off of that is, okay, so you shared your story. You kind of shared how everything looked for you. My goal with with this podcast, with right. the coaching that I do, I want to be able to bring the power of transformation to people without having to go through the spiritual awakening or the rock bottom. And I'm not saying that you're going to avoid that because you right. need to go through your version of that. Right. But if we can make that a little bit smoother for people, that's my hope. So for somebody that is in an, in a place where they really resonate with the things that you're saying and right. feel stuck, they feel confused. They know that they're not being true to themselves. They hear this little voice, but they still haven't had these situations that really cause them to hit rock bottom. Right. Do you have any quick hits of advice or tips or anything for what you would suggest people do? to try to start to facilitate that change. You know, so if somebody's saying, Jamie, okay, this is all great. I, I get it from a theoretical standpoint, but like, how do I become more of myself? How do I really understand that? How do I become more confident? First off, if you don't sort your shit out, the universe will sort it out for you. Boom. And 100% the, universe, agreed. The, the universe sorts it out for you in the way of a rock bottom, which I've experienced a couple of times in the way of a midlife crisis. A midlife crisis is a man who has been ignoring his intuition his entire life. And hits this breaking point where he reaches conscious awareness of his own mortality. And he's like, oh, fuck. I haven't actually been living for me. I've been living at war with myself. And so mm -hmm. I think the value that, you know, working with, say, a coach who's been to rock bottom is they can make you aware of those markers. And they can make you aware of those things that come up. And Jeff Brown is a great term for it. It's called the truth ache. Where... If you feel that something, energy does not lie. If you feel like you can't be your true self and your friends and there feels like some element of resistance, it's probably because that is the case. If you feel in your job that you're not valued, lit up and inspired, it's probably because that is the case. And just know that if you ignore that voice for long enough, the universe is going to step in and it's going to take care of things and it's going to be a lot messier. And if you don't sort it out, the universe is going to step in and it could be something like bankruptcy. It could be rock, a health scare. It could be a divorce. It could be, you know, a major, like, you know, someone stealing money from you and your business or, you know, it'll be this huge thing that will happen. But I believe with people who are meant to go through an awakenings, they come into this world with an element of curiosity, heightened curiosity. 
And not everyone is meant to come awake, at least in this lifetime, but with people who are meant to come awake, they're living a life, but they're curious. Is there more? Is there more? And I think it's really great to find someone who has been through it, find a shepherd in that process who can allow you to teach you through the mistakes that they made, not the mistakes, but maybe the pain that they had to go through. So, because there's so, rock bottom is the manifestation of so many missed opportunities to follow that deeper voice. That mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we can learn to trust ourselves earlier and quicker, and I think that's the process, the quicker we learn to trust ourselves and create an external environment, which is listening to that internal truth, the less messy our life will be. And our life becomes messy when we don't know how to become our intuition. And we live at war with ourselves. And so oh, yes. fi- yep. finding, finding a guide, I think, is a great way, whether it's a coach or whether it's like a, like a new friend who's like a soul resonance friend. But finding someone who's kind of been through the shit who can let you know some of the markers and kind of confirm what you already know deep down. So good. I, I love that you said that. I promise people this wasn't set up, but Jamie touched on exactly something that I truly, truly believe. And this is actually something that I work with with my clients. So much of our culture and kind of what we are taught is to be in our heads. Our head, you know, we have a powerful mind, right? We have this big old brain and that's great. It is, you know, extremely powerful and Mm -hmm. it's an awesome tool to have. But because of that, we've really gotten out of touch with our bodies. Right. And our bodies have an intelligence that our minds can't replace. Mm -hmm. And so, again, thank you for saying that because I, I work with my clients on really leaning into that and trying to learn how to feel into their intuition, into their energy. And those sensations start in the body. So we, you know, we could do a whole, we could do a whole podcast on that alone, but it's so powerful. Ben, just one, I love that you brought that up and I I won't be long on this, but but just something I just want to add to that. Yeah. Well, Jeff Jeff Brown says the body is consciousness and you know what I mean? And ultimately when we live in our head, because we learned the body was not safe. Somewhere along the line, our child, we learned the body. So what that meant was living in the, tr- in the body temple, living in the emotional body. And it could be extreme emotional neglect. It could be like harsh criticism and shame for having emotional experiences. It could be trauma as well, where the mind is this like coping mechanism where we learn, okay, the body's not safe. So I'm going to move up the head and we can't trust her. And so every answer we ever need in our life is inside of our body all the inherent wisdom that we need is in the body. And the thing that can happen with our intuition is what can really mock up that process is a lot of unresolved emotional material. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. step, if we, and Jeff Brown says, we want to become our intuition. The only way we can do that is by clearing the emotional debris from our past. So it could be working with a, a somatic psychotherapist. It could be doing something like bioenergetics, working with somatic, somatic therapist, or a coach who's trained in getting more into the body and, and kind of processing some deeper emotions from the past. But as we can begin to access those deeper emotions and clear the emotional debris, the pathway to the intuition will become a lot cleaner and we'll actually begin to become the intuition where literally we'll like live in a vibration where we are intuition. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. And the last thing I'll say on that is, just kind of a, a practical, if you're, you know, if you're out there and you're like, okay, intuition, I kind of get that. It sounds a little weird or woo woo right. or like, I, I, I'm not intuitive. I don't have that. It's important to understand that you do. Every right. one of us does. We are, we are an animal. We are a human being. And that is part of, part of who we are. So that is a, a piece of you that you do absolutely have. And you've just, like you were saying, Jamie, you've kind of pushed it down or built layers on top of it or moved up to your head. So you can always build on that. And the key, I think, to doing that is really understanding when it's happening. And so learning, you know, when you hear that little voice or that ping in your stomach that something isn't quite right, or there, there's all these little things, Right. try to bring more awareness to it. And then 
you're, you're essentially building, it's, it's working a muscle. You're, you're trying to build right. that. So creating that awareness and then trusting it and you have to act on it because if you don't act on that intuition, you're, you're essentially telling your body, well, I'm not, I'm not trusting that signal. So right. you need to, you need to hear that, create awareness around that intuitive ping and then act on it because then you're building that muscle. Then you're working that and you're going to just be more in touch with your intuition as you go on. hundred percent. And, and even just for understanding different sensations in the body, being aware of them as they're happening. And you, know, you can do that through like a uh, somatic body, full body, like a body scan meditation. Or you could do it through doing, you know, with a coach or therapist, but like deeper emotional work where the first layer is understanding sensations of the body. The next layer is being able to identify sensations with emotions. That's like the next layer on top of it. And again, the biggest piece is we need confirmation that of, of what, are, what happens in a reality when we do follow the intuition. And a very basic practice is what is most true and alive inside of me? And so the first thing that comes to us, mm-hmm. what is most true and alive inside of me mm-hmm. and acting from that place. And like, for me, a huge component was beginning to do improv because you had to learn how to trust yourself on that edge. You had to learn how to have faith in yourself in uncertainty and coaching was a lot of the same as well, but asking yourself this question, what is most true and alive inside of me today and creating and maybe choosing one thing in that day that you can do based off kind of an internal truth. You know, it could be, you know, having a nourishing green smoothie or, or, you know, doing a particular type of movement and then really resonating and relishing on the impact that has on your body when, when you, when you commit to that thing. I think, um, I think we need to do a full podcast together on intuition. Buddy, I'm, I'm down. I bring me back, buddy. That's right. That's right. Uh, so if you're up for it, I've got a a quick finishing round here. Now I'm going to call this the visionary hat trick. Oh yeah. Look you at sh- that. You I... should, lo- you should like that as a Canadian. <laughs> the hat trick buddy. Look at this. We're playing some conscious hockey here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you these just, just like quick, like one or like one minute thing on your answer. And if you, if you got nothing, that's totally fine too, but <laughs> we'll, uh, let's check them out. So the first sure. one is share one belief that you have that sounds wild or that you worry or have worried about being judged about. One belief that I have that I'm worried about being judged about. Um, hmm, there's a f- few things that are coming to me. Um, and, and I'll just speak to those, you know, if we're going to what is most true and alive inside. Yep, of me. That's right. <laughs> um, that you need to be polarizing as fuck. That that is the best filter tool. And I believe that I grew up in an environment where I was very, very comfortable to be myself. And I was told and I was given a safe space to be myself. And so I worry a little bit about the impact that has on, you know, I do worry about being judged for being so out there. Mm-hmm. And I know that comes to the territory, but I do worry about that sometimes a little bit. And then also that I believe this is another thing quickly, just how the path, the closest thing we could ever get to world peace is to people healing their childhood wounds and trauma. And that I believe the world is coming more awake. And I do worry about, you know, people who are not in that space, how they will respond to it. And I worry about maybe being too preachy about it sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. and, and so those are the two things that were just coming to me. Cool. Love it. And I'm totally with you on that, by the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So when you realize your vision, what does that yeah. look like? And notice I said when, not if. Yeah. What does that look like and what impact will that have? My vision for the future? Yep. For, for yourself, your personal vision and realizing your truth, what you see for yourself going forward. When I see my vision, I see how all the dots of my past have like uniquely contributed to create this embodiment of my future and so I see my story so at play and I see how all of it played a part and I see myself with the combination of the healing and the deeper you know soul spiritual work and and all the stuff that I do mixed with my comedy and filmmaking and I see those things come together and it really feels 
like healthy integration of, I had to kind of go through that all so the two could finally align together in a way where I really was able to finally capitalize and bring to the table what I consider about myself to be my unique offering. Love it. Love it. So good. All right. Final one here. What is your hope for humanity? You kind of, I feel like you kind of touched about this a little bit on right. the first one, but, but uh, elaborate. My hope for humanity is that there's tons of people out there who are focused on creating their own tiny ripple of transformation in the collective. And my hope is a lot aligned with this podcast that people realize that the world needs who they really are, not this built up mask disguised version of who they are, but the way their greatest life and the most powerful life they can imagine the most fulfilling and inspiring life is simply by owning who they really are. And, you know, by simply committing to that and showing up in that space, people understand of the ripple that creates in the collective and how that's going to transform family systems and how that's going to transform generational patterns and how it's going to massively influence friend groups. And I just want to see the world become more aware that they can just be more vulnerable to be who they really are and that the world needs that, that unique imprint they bring. So good, man. So, so good. <laughs> oh, perfect way to finish. Oh man, man ben, so time, much fun. Yeah, dude. Time has just flown by here. Time uh, flies when you're having fun. You know? That's right, man. You know, I posted this one time. So I said, I was thinking about it and I was like, the reason that time flies when we're having fun is because when we're having fun, we're in the moment. Mm. And so it's, you know, truly time flies when we're in the moment, you know, you think about sitting at a desk job and looking at the clock. I've been there. I've done that. And time does not fucking fly, man. Time slows down. And it's because you are so not in that moment. You are so, well, I mean, you are, you're fucking stuck in the moment, but like, (laughs) but you're so, you know, you're not, engaged you're not truly engaged with the moment you're thinking about later you're thinking about getting home you're thinking about having a beer you're thinking about all those things and so like that's it's just having fun is being in the moment so that's truly what that's i believe at least what that's about yeah man and that's why time slows down when you're in love that's why time slows down when you were a kid because you're living in the moment and that actually spans the container for time Mm -hmm. because you're more there and you're actually in flow and you're not like consciously aware of time. And so time expands. And so that's actually how to increase time in your life is to live in your genius zone. That's from the big leap, but actually expand. You want to have more time in your life? Spend more time on doing the things that you're uniquely here to do from the deepest parts of your soul. If you do that, the, you're like your, the amount of time you have available to you will expand because the, you know, you're in a state of flow. Dude, I mean, you already dropped some bombs on here, but now you're just blowing people's fucking minds. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Jamie, so much fun, man. Thanks for coming on. We're definitely going to have one, if not more, follow-ups in that. Definitely excited to talk to you again. Any final words for you? Um, any final words? Is I guess you guys can follow me on – I'm just going to plug myself here. Just, you know. Dude, go for it. <laughs> follow me on Instagram at jamie.n.ray. And that's Ray, R-E-A, last name. Um, follow me on Instagram. Um, combination of butthole humor and, you know, kind of relational um, knowledge and education and life and, and healing work and knowledge. And, yeah, just whatever your story is, tell your story. And tell it to people who are safe. And because holding on to that shame of your story, like, releasing that shame and learning to like vulnerably tell your story is the very thing that's going to change your life and your story. The world needs your story. It's going to change the collective. Um, it's going to create a ripple in the collective. It's going to change potentially even thousands of people's lives, but first just tell your story and use it to change your own life. Thank you, Ben. This was so much fun. Very welcome, brother. Thanks for being on guys. Go follow Jamie. If you want to learn shit about life and relationships, he's the guy. If you don't like the word fuck, then you should probably stay away. (laughs) Yeah, It's definitely explicit. Like those 
CDs of Dr. Dre you got when you were 13. <laughs> exactly, dude. Explicit content. Day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Then. Well, thanks so much for being on and excited to, to talk to you next time. Appreciate it, man. All right, brother. Later. Hey, yo. Thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below, as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.